0: people, welcome to MJAC Conversations. I'm your host, Rachel Reynolds, and today we're going to talk about loving your neighbor in a time of COVID conspiracy theories, and we'll dig into Brian's message, One Pattern for New Relationships, from Ephesians 5. Of course, we're hoping this is just the start of a conversation that continues in your Zoom chats and backyard gatherings of under 10 people six feet apart. With me today are Brian Westnedge, um, wonderful Bible and board game nerd and um, small beard person, um, and his daughter, Tanisha Westnedge, um, and my favorite beard, Logan Runnels. Welcome to the show, everyone.
1: Thank you.
2: Thank you very much. I, I feel I have a little, my beard's so unkempt, There's uh, I got an unfair advantage over other people.
0: <laughs> you have a COVID beard right <laughs> yeah, now? Yeah it's really doing some interesting curling at the bottom, just sort of like curling out into tufts, so you all can enjoy picturing that from home. Wonderful. Um, it is week 10 of Isolation in Saskatchewan, uh, and Brian and I have been able to share a little bit about what's what our life looks like on previous episodes, but I wanted to hear from uh, you, Tanisha, and you, Logan, uh, what's
3: life look like for you right now? Um, it's A little bit empty. (laughs) Like, I do half an hour of school every day, and then I'm done.
0: Right? Smart kid problems. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You have piano, though, as well. Yep. Yeah, you're practicing. So your teacher, is your teacher still teaching you lessons over Zoom? Over FaceTime, yes. Over FaceTime. Great. And so then how many hours of practice
3: do you need to put in each day? I don't usually have like a set time i usually like play through my pieces work on them okay it's
1: connecting with some friends though right
3: yep i i suddenly feel more connected to my friend who lives in minnesota than my ah. friend who lives across karenport
0: interesting so you guys, what have you guys been using to connect
3: oh for almost a year now we've been using messenger to just send text back and forth yeah but like none of my other friends have that.
0: Right. <laughs> so yeah. suddenly she's the only one that you can connect with.
3: Exactly.
0: Yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Okay. Um, Logan, how about for you?
2: My life has probably relatively been uh rather normal compared to other people. My my work's continued on. Just way more conference calls. Every day, every day. Uh, although that's getting better. I was really pleased because a couple weeks ago I was able to travel up to my district office again uh, to spend a couple days there. And that's able to uh, to start doing that again. Although uh, I need to sleep. I don't want to sleep in a hotel right now. So I slept at the office overnight. Um,
0: it, was like like a, it was like a big room that you were sleeping in. Yeah. Just like a big empty room and your bed.
2: <laughs> it wasn't haunted. That was good to learn. Nice. Yeah.
0: Anyways,
1: okay. a little disappointing.
0: <laughs> Can yeah. you just refresh people's minds what you do?
2: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm an area manager with Christian Horizons. We support people who experience disabilities, um, and so we're, we've been in Saskatchewan for five years now, uh, and uh, I oversee Moose Jaw in Regina and Regina and work in collaboration with um, uh, my, my partner in, in Saskatoon, Waltime, Warman area. So there's
0: been some challenges that have come with um, COVID that I've noticed, like uh, f- people in your homes haven't been able to receive the, the care and the therapy and the, and the kinds of things, uh, or even to get out and go shopping. There's been some difficulties for that in that area.
2: There's been limitations uh, that we need, uh, roadblocks that, that we need to overcome, but we, we do work creatively to find ways to to, to, to provide the, the care that's required but it's especially difficult it's it's weird because we've been we take people who have generally who know social isolation really well way better than anyone uh, that's experienced COVID-19 uh in the last couple months does it, they people who've lived their lives with social isolation and we've been telling them get involved in your community do it this is this is your community to live in and then in the last couple months we're saying you can't actually leave your house right now it's been a bit of a whiplash for them and and uh, some people in particular, it's been difficult to work with. But then we've got wonderful things like Messenger and Zoom and FaceTime to to connect with those people. It's not the same. Some people uh, who really like shopping, we've we're we're learning about online shopping now, and that's maybe uh, uh <laughs> be a new beast in the in the future. Could, could but, <laughs> a new
1: problem. <laughs> yeah. What kind of problems are you opening up by solving problems? Right, right?
0: exactly. Um, West Edge family, do you have something in your weekly rhythm that you as a family really look forward to and that are kind of making, making your life better right now?
1: So strangely enough, we've started doing what we call family yoga night. What? Yeah. And I, this is, <laughs> I, I have to be honest, it's totally bizarre. <coughs> I never would have expected this as a thing that we'd really enjoy, but, uh, we found someone who's running online kind of a a stretch and core kind of class where they incorporate some yoga and some exercises. And we line up in our kind of family room and we put it on the computer and we do yoga together every Tuesday and Thursday. Wow. And it's kind of awesome.
0: Tanisha, do you agree with this statement?
3: I love it. Oh, wow. Really? (laughs) Yeah. It's like... I never realized how important phys ed and recess were until right. suddenly my school was sitting at a computer all day. That yes, is,
0: you're like an office worker now.
3: Exactly, yeah. and it kind of sucks. Yeah. So, like Tuesday and Thursday, family yoga night, we get to go and stretch and yeah. just take time to be with our bodies. Like, uh. slow down our day. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. It,
1: it, it's strangely satisfying. I uh. highly recommend it.
0: Yeah. Okay. Do you have a favorite pose, either of you? What is it? Can
3: you describe what it looks like? Child's pose.
0: What does it look like?
3: You're on your knees and you just fold over.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so
3: that your arms are stretched out in front of you. And you just sit there. It feels really
0: good in your hips, that one, I remember. Yeah. 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 What about you, Brian?
1: I'm a big fan of the tree pose. Uh, one because I have pretty good ballads but yeah. the rest of my family doesn't so okay. when we do it it's family <laughs> so, yoga yeah, night you to have to
0: describe it then the yeah tree so is... you're
1: just standing on one leg and your other leg is kind of resting on your inner thigh and you put your arms up in the air and you stand as straight as possible so that works really well for me but the rest of, <laughs> the, rest of the trees in the room feel like the wind <laughs> is blowing pretty well they're wobbling quite a bit uh, so and I always find it out. an amusing part of the evening
0: that's right you get to feel really yeah. superior and laugh yeah wonderful well, Logan, what's a, what's a family a highlight in our family rhythm at home?
2: Oh, I we do uh, board games every weekend, uh, and sometimes we have one that we're working through. That's uh, it's called a legacy game, so it's one of those where you the board changes week from uh, every time you play it. You get to add more rules to the rule book, or you get tear to add, up,
0: add stickers to the board.
2: Yeah, add stickers to the board. It changes, so you don't really know what you're playing. And then uh, just a daily thing that I. I I still read to my son every night and uh, I get I'm able to start reading my favorite books to him. Uh, he's at the age where I can do that now. So that is very satisfying and always it takes goes by too fast.
0: You guys are so funny. Like I'll be away at a milkshift and I come home at like ten thirty at night and it feels late and I'm ready to go to bed. And, like, Logan and Nevin are still doing their bedtime routine because Dad is, like, doing all the voices. And I just hear through the closed door, like, all the voices and the two of them talking about the book. And I was like, all right, well, I guess I don't have a husband yet because he's still doing
2: bedtime.
0: (laughs) It's great. I'm happy for you. (laughs) Uh (laughs) Well, we're going to try something a little different today. Uh, Before we talk about the Sunday message... um, I wonder if we could have a conversation about something that we maybe we could have tried tackling on Sunday out of the Ephesians 5 passage. Um, I have, there's a line in there that's that's talking about being wise about the times that we live in. Um, and I wondered if we could have a little conversation about um, COVID conspiracy theories. That might that we might be stumbling across on social media or, or just to hearing from friends and family um and, and maybe they're not calling them conspiracy theories they're just talking about them as like this is an alternative explanation this makes so much sense this answers questions and explains things that I didn't understand before um, and'm I'm, I'm finding this just kind of cropping up on the edge of my relationships and it, it's it's um, caught my attention a little bit and been concerning enough that I felt a bit of a pastoral concern that maybe our whole community is, is, is finding these conversations coming up and just wondering, like, what do, I, what do I say and how do I respond and how do I be not just discerning in this moment, but also a loving neighbor? How do we love our neighbors in, in, a, in the time of COVID and in the time of people coming up with a bunch of explanations about what's happening here? that maybe aren't founded on, on what science or, or experts are saying. Um, so I'm wondering, have, um, what, have, what's your guys' experience with this? Are you coming across uh, any, any in your so- circle of social media or your neighbors sharing about these?
1: Yeah, so I've definitely got um, a few friends that are part of my social media. They're people who uh, I have a lot of respect for. And, you know, I would consider close friends, even though they're, you know, not at the moment in the Moose Jaw area, they're friends from previous experiences, college days, that sort of thing, um, that they're that starting to express and post a number of, of narratives that just are in a world that is very different from what I've experienced. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm a little uncomfortable with the language of conspiracy theory, because Uh, I find that when I use that language, it's almost dismissive of their position. And I, and I, I want to recognize that they're friends who have a, a lot of intelligence and I don't think they're just, uh, making stuff up or, or they're crazy people. Um, but I'm not sure I understand why they believe what they believe. Right. Yeah. So, so yeah, I'm definitely seeing that in my, in my world. Anyone else?
3: I generally try to avoid anything that has the words COVID-19 in the headline. Yeah. Like, it's probably not worth reading. And if there's anything that actually is important to me, I'll probably hear it from my parents.
0: Okay. So you're kind of discerning. Uh, I'm on a need-to-know basis here. And you've identified where's a source of reliable information? Where am I going to go? Dad, tell me what I need to know. Yeah. That's a good place to be at. It's I'm, not the worst. I'm unfortunately not in that place anymore in my life. I now have to navigate information on the on the online places on my own without my parents to discern. Okay. But I think that is helpful to Nisha for, for us it, it, to have permission to not click the link. Yeah. You don't have to know all the information to love your neighbor and and be friendly to them when you see them at the community gardens. <laughs> what about you, Logan?
2: I really like Tanisha's advice, not just because it's easier, but maybe primarily because it's easier. Uh, and, and honestly, like it's it's easier to love people well when you're not in these conversations. <laughs> that said, um, maybe just for for uh, to be me, I'd push back a bit on Brian too. Like, not every opinion's worth entertaining, mm. and. I, it's it, it is important there i have certainly seen stuff that um at this point it's been at a distance for me so i don't feel like i need to engage it but if it's a, if it was close to me i i, I would want to be i would want to say uh but hold up there let's let's slow down on this that's not helpful that's not leading to godliness and and peace
1: yeah i think that's i think that's very fair um and I, I guess what I'm trying to push at is that if, I think that when we label the conspiracy theory, that it actually tends to be dismissive uh, of, of people who are genuine about their belief. And, and so I found that that's not a way of, of actually engaging a conversation or maintaining a relationship. It feels like when I say, oh, that's just a conspiracy theory, we tend to, that, that's a way of either me to dismiss it or of or me to dismiss a person. And so I'm trying to find, I don't know that I found good language, but I'm trying to find ways to uh, express care for people that I think genuinely hold these beliefs, even though I passionately disagree with what they're believing.
0: Can we talk a bit about like, so when you look at something or hear somebody talk about some of these theories, like, oh, it's the 5G towers that have caused COVID or whatever. um, It seems like common sense to be like, that's not real. But for some people, that it isn't common sense to believe that that's not real. Can we talk about, like, what do you guys do to check on the veracity of something you hear on the Internet? Like, what do you do to fact check, to dis- to be discerning as stuff comes across your path?
1: Well, that's a great question. Uh, I mean, I, I think I want to recognize that... There are some ways that I probably don't do a lot of fact checking on particular pieces. There, there's, there's some spot in me that that looks at information and says, it. How about this? When it comes from a place that I think is fundamentally mistrusting of uh, government and experts, uh, I, I, I don't want to presume that all of those people are moral people or all of those people don't have, you know other agendas or political agendas, of course that's true. But when we when we start to picture people as like fundamentally evil and fundamentally mistrusting in the wake of something that is a a concern to our society, that kind of premise of fundamental mistrust is 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 one of those places that I start and say, Oh, I I think that's actually really problematic starting point.
0: Yeah, that's a big flag for me. um, in when I'm if I see articles or hear about these sorts of things, if, they're, if what they're sort of concluding is everybody is evil, yeah. everybody has a, an, an evil agenda that is hidden, and that's why X, Y, and Z. Um, I, I don't want to believe that everybody's evil. Um, do I believe that everybody's an ambiguous mix? Sure. Sure. Are there evil people taking advantage of the situation at a global scale? Yeah, I'm absolutely sure evil people are taking advantage of the situation. Does that mean that they manipulated this virus in labs in Wuhan and released it to their advantage? I don't think so. I think they're just turning on a dime to take advantage of what's happened.
2: Yeah, I, that's that's good. I. For myself, I, partly what I'm, I'm concerned in being part of a conversation that's helpful and it just, I don't know yeah. who cares if like, maybe there, maybe that's trite. Maybe it was started in Wuhan. How does that change how I'm going to live today? Yeah. Um, and it, it reminds me, or I've been thinking about first uh, Peter two, which is like a companion piece to Ephesians five in sure. one sense. Right. And, and there's just, it was, yeah. it, I don't need to, I don't, it's no surprise to me that there's evil people in the world. I, 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 I look at my own heart and see my own selfishness. Um, yeah, I, 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 that's not a surprise. So what, what I wanna do is make sure that I'm not, I don't speak with malice or, or envy or um, slanderous, anything that even looks like that. I wanna stay f- away from conversation that looks like that. And I'm gonna strive to submit to the authorities uh, the governments that I'm in, because uh, I'm not part of this world. I'm, I'm an alien in this land, right? Like, this is yes, Dallas not, Willard's divine conspiracy, right? Yeah. Like, we're, this isn't our kingdom.
0: I and mean, I'm not expecting the government to make decisions that fit with a Christian kingdom. Yeah. Yeah. Right.
1: And at the same time, like, I think sometimes we, we, we go a little too far to the other extreme where we assume that by virtue of our Christian faith, we have to be at odds with science. Right, we uh, we put okay. ourselves in a place of being antagonistic towards any developments that come outside of our Christian worldview. Yeah, there would be and, an inherent the, suspicion. The, the of we're, science. we're inherently suspicious of science, or we're inherently at odds at science. Um, and I, and I find that to be troubling too. We 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 also live in this world, and uh, we we need to be a faithful witness of Jesus with within the world that we're at, and so that includes uh, people who. Disagree with us. That includes people who uh, research things that we don't research. They're experts mm-hmm. in things that we're not experts in, and that includes uh, living in a world that that science helps us understand at times.
0: I think this is what is so troubling about this particular circumstance is, and maybe this is a particular temptation for Christians. Um, there's so much that we don't know. Yeah. Um, and we can't find in the Bible. The Bible is not going to tell me what's happening with coronavirus and what I, and, and what it, where it came from and whether or not I'm going to catch it and whether or not my mask is effective and how often I should wash my hands. And does six feet social distancing really work? Like my, I, I, use, I do use the Bible as a source of, of authority in my life, but I can't answer those questions because that's not the kinds of questions the Bible is an authority on. And so then the people who are providing answers for those questions, who are experts in the area of of medical health um, and infectious diseases um, and who are doing the research on vaccines, they're doing work that I can't comprehend. Right. Like I don't understand their world at all. And so if I'm just like personally evaluating, is that true? Can I trust it? I have no way of knowing. I've never been in a lab since grade 11 class and I almost failed. Like, that's just
1: not... I avoided I just, that class. <laughs> how
0: do I know? How do I know? All I can do is trust that these people are not evil um, and that they want what is good for most people and that that's why they're leaders now. That can, be, that can feel like a leap.
2: Go ahead. Right. Okay, sorry. I, so I think... Um, so the question is, how do we respond to... To friends or, or people in our close proximity who who want to engage in these conversations, and it and I think um, the answer has to do, and this is something I I've, I've talked to you with before about is 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 learning the skill of hope. Let's yeah. What does hopeful? What does hope? Living a life of hope look like now?
0: And so that's not the skill of certainty or knowing.
2: Right. Yeah. 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 So I I'm trying to live into to. Uh, Matthew six right now right like this there's this is a time I'm I don't it's not in my scope of um, responsibility to say to figure out a way a path forward from here I don't I'm not part of these conversations with the scientists or the government what I'm gonna I I'm called to live faithfully today and um and to let tomorrow worry about itself that's uh,
1: that's about as much as is on my in in my Area of authority. I think that's really helpful. Like one of the things that that comes out with the idea of whatever theories is is this implication that we have the responsibility to to evaluate, critique, and 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 then make decisions about what's healthy for our society. And and the reality is that we're living in a place where other people have been given that authority the question then is how do we live? Like if we go back to Ephesians 5, how do we live with wisdom in this world? How do we live with care Mm -hmm. in this world? How do we love our neighbor in this world? Um, those are the questions that we need to like those are the questions we need to get the A plus on. Right? Yeah.
0: Yeah. And And those are questions that are in our control. Yeah. Like the way that I treat that person in the grocery line or or when my hairdresser, when I show up at my hairdressers which you can do now. Um, which I can do now. I just got my haircut. Oh, you guys, I'm so excited. Anyways, my hairdresser told me that in the two days that they've been open, one person showed up at the door, and I guess he didn't quite realize he was going to have to wear a mask to get his haircut. So my hairdresser's there. She's in a face shield and she's in a mask over her face. She her apron is wipeable now. They spray down all the chairs in between. They're really being careful. Um, because they don't want to get sick they want to be able to continue to work and they don't want to get other people sick and so they're asking everyone else to wear a mask as well so this fellow shows up at the door and he was really quite belligerent and quite angry that he had to put a mask on he's like well you can't make me wear a mask and she said no I can't make you wear a mask but if you don't wear a mask you're not getting your hair cut like you can't come in here without a mask and That, you know, so that guy doesn't believe that masks are helpful. You don't have to believe that masks are helpful to be considerate of your hairdresser and just put one on your face. Like, do I understand and do I know for sure that a mask is going to, you know, prevent any kind of droplets of my breath to infect another person? Of course I don't. I wasn't in that lab. I don't know. But is that what I'm being asked to do to be considerate to my neighbor? Yeah, it is. And so why why would I fight about that? When the model I see in the Bible is, is humility and consideration and forbearance, like bearing with one another in love, that's terribly inconvenient. Masks are very hot. They're tiring to wear. Like, I'm glad I'm not a healthcare care person. Um, but I, I take that inconvenience on myself to take care of others. That seems pretty simple.
1: I, I feel like we could open up a whole world of discussion about what it looks like to, you know, we talked on Sunday about imitating Jesus and like what it looks like for Jesus to give up his rights, to give up his place and what it looks like for us to imitate that. If we, if we talk about like personal rights and freedoms and all that sort of thing and whether it's actually important for us as members of the Jesus community to be concerned with those personal rights or whether it's it's our role to give,
3: give them up our up
1: rights for others, uh, for others. Um, that looks I right, feel like that's yeah. a whole can of worms that I'm not sure we have yeah. time for it today, but uh, I'll at least hint towards it.
0: Yeah. No, I, I hear you, Brian. When you, um, One of the things I was thinking about as I prepared for this section of the podcast was, what would Jesus tweet? Oh, <laughs> What would Jesus tweet? Like, and I actually started to be quite intentional about my social media posts that I'm thinking to myself, what I want my posts to do for people is I want them to feel... More peaceful and more anchored, and more like things are okay. We can get through this together. Mm-hmm. When they see my posts, that's what I want my posts to accomplish. So it's a it's a way for me to normalize like COVID family life. Yeah. You know, with photos of that or sharing news from reliable sources that I've found. Um, but I'm I'm trying to do that really infrequently because mostly I don't want to get my news from Facebook. I have trusted news websites that are. I go directly to the news sites and I get my news from them. Um, And I have fact-checking sites that I would use like Snopes.com. And that's where I want to get my news. I want to go directly to the news. When I go on Facebook, I want to see my friends. I want to see my family. I don't want to hear about their political opinions uh, or their religious opinions. And maybe they don't want to hear that from me either. So I'm just trying to share my Jesus full life on Facebook. That's it.
3: Well, that's really
1: interesting, the idea that our social media has almost been appropriated as a way to kind of push our agendas rather than sharing our lives and, and how we have an opportunity to do something different there.
2: Whoa. Whoa. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that's that's. Really we
0: good. do. It's, it's like a place where you can let your light shine and you actually have a bigger reach than just to your direct neighbors. Yeah. More people can stumble across your stuff and be encouraged right. and feel like, you know what, there's something good going on in Rachel's life. And why is something good going on in Rachel's life? And it isn't just because I have an awesome filter on my phone camera. It's but that doesn't hurt. <laughs> but that doesn't hurt. Also, my new haircut. You'll see that on Instagram later. I mean, what? <laughs> Listen, thanks, uh, you guys, for pit- chipping in on this conversation. We'd be willing to talk more about this and do a little more homework on it. Folks, if you're interested in hearing more on this subject, um, email uh, office at or message me or Brian directly. Um, and I've got some, uh, resources up on my personal Facebook page right now. If you want to check on a couple of a podcast roundup about that. And if you scroll down my page, there was also an article about, um, why is COVID so complicated to understand? And I found those resources to be really helpful. Um, part of what's happening here is, uh, this is a complicated problem yeah. and it, it, we wish we had a simple answer and a simple story to tell about it. And we just, we don't. Yeah. And it's hard to accept that and one of the things that we can offer to people who are trying to come up with these explanations or believing these explanations is just empathy for the fact that this sucks. This is hard. I don't get it. I don't want it to be true. Like I I I feel that. Yeah. Um so uh and then I think uh Logan you brought something good out here just when people come to you with, and they want to be, if they're being quite aggressive about their beliefs in these conspiracy theories, um, I had a conversation at work and I'm sort of stuck at work and I can't leave with somebody who's quite just had a lot that they wanted to share, um, about the evil of Bill Gates and just, you know, that COVID is a hoax and that we should be afraid of super bacteria instead And he just went on for quite a while. I felt like maybe he didn't have a lot of people to talk to in his everyday life. And so he just kind of went off on this stuff. And I finally kind of had to stop him and say, like, I was hoping he would just run out of steam and stop talking about it if I just kept smiling and nodding. And that that approach did not work at all. So that was a failure. But you could try that, smiling and nodding and hoping that the conversation moves on to just our ordinary everyday lives. Um, so then I finally had to say, I just, so you're a Christian and I'm a Christian and what I think my life is supposed to be about is producing the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, faithfulness, goodness, and gentleness and self-control. And I just don't understand what obsessing about these explanations, um, does to produce the fruit of the spirit. I, I can't, can you help me connect this? Like, in what way is believing these things helping you? And he said, quite honestly, well, I just don't want my neighbors to be afraid. I want to help them not be afraid. And I'm thinking, well, I'm, I am glad that you want to help your neighbors not be afraid. But, you know, the source of my courage and my hope
1: mm-hmm.
0: is not this alternative theory on the Internet. It's Jesus yeah. living and active In the world today. Yeah. So maybe that will help some of you guys out there. Um, God be with you. Alrighty. Let's talk about Sunday.
1: Let's talk about Sunday.
0: Brian, you were up to preach on Ephesians 5, 21 to 6, 9. One new pattern for our relationships. Um, And I am familiar with these as uh, the household codes Paul's practical guidelines for what the most basic relationships in these ancient households uh, would look like for followers of Christ. Uh, In his time, wives and husbands, children and parents, slaves and masters. I don't know if you can tell just from those pairings, these passages are pretty loaded with baggage. Um, And I just wanted to thank you, Brian. I really appreciated the care that you took to connect um, this Part of Ephesians with the rest of the letter that it's located in. Um, You reached back to Ephesians 5.18, and you connected our interpretation of these codes um, to being filled with the Holy Spirit. And then you reached further back to Ephesians 5.1 to emphasize that whatever we understand Paul to mean, it has to be consistent with being imitators of God, living a life of God, living a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a sacrifice. And I thought you really brought the fire when you said the ways we fail to sacrifice for one another is to fail to live up to the high call of the gospel. Power and identity look different in the kingdom of God. We don't get to make demands. And this is especially true when you're on the privileged side of the relationship. We get rid of division and understand ourselves as one body. We only understand our power in terms of Jesus' power. Boom! I was writing it all down as fast as I could! Did I
1: I say that? That sounds really
0: good. (laughs) It sounded really good. You did. It sounded really good. I can basically re-preach this message because as a woman and as a leader, it really put heart into me to keep giving my gifts to my family and my church. But I don't need to because it's available online. So folks, if you haven't given this message a listen yet, I highly recommend it. You'll find it on mjack.org under live streams. It's dated May 17, 2020. And Brian starts to regret his life choices at about minute 50.
1: Sounds a right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Brian, do you want to tell us a little bit about your journey with this passage?
1: Oh, man. I mean, I think the journey with the passage is is, is a pretty long one. You know, I, I think there have been different seasons in my life where... Um, I approach scripture with, a Oh, let me just, let me just read this one little section. It was all I kind of had the attention span for was a paragraph at a time. And when I read scripture, a paragraph at a time, it, 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 it just says a couple of things and I say, Oh, I guess that's what it means. And, Hmm. and, uh, the realization is I've kind of grown, uh, And one thing that I think we've been really doing well at MJAC with our preaching team is we've been tackling bigger sections of Scripture on our Sunday morning, and that forces us to connect the dots of themes. Yes, right. And that that really changes how we understand and and approach Scripture. Um, Working with a team, too, forces me to think about, like, what are the other messages that have been preached? And and how do I connect the dots? Because if these are letters that are meant to be read in the original audience, they were read from start to finish. They weren't divided up chapter by chapter. Right. So that connection back to what's come before uh, has to change what we understand of particular places. Uh, so yeah, I, I think my my journey is kind of moved from, you know, along several years ago would have just been a, oh, well, I guess wives submit to your husbands, husbands, husbands are the head of the home children obey your parents, I guess slavery is not that bad. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: Facetiously. Yeah. I,
0: I I don't know what to do about the slavery passage. I guess that was cultural. The I rest guess, of it is uh, easily it, applicable.
1: The rest of it. And, and, you know, one of the other things that, that uh, I know, Rachel, when you spoke, you talked about uh, reading someone else's mail. And I use the analogy of listening in on a phone conversation. That's a value that's happened as, I, as I've read a scripture, and particularly this passage. The idea that, that Scripture is not just a one-to-one correlation. Paul didn't write this letter to us in this world uh, today. He's writing to the Ephesians. And and understanding what's happening there is important. Yes.
0: It's not that it doesn't, we can't then move from the location where the letter was written and the people it was written to, to then, uh, you know, receive guidance and help for our present day, but we can't start with what does this mean to me today without first considering what did this mean to the church of Ephesus right. in its time?
1: So kind of the more recent journey when I was you know, preparing to preach this passage, it just felt like as I came to this passage in, in chapter uh, 5, verse 22, especially as we hit this wives submit to your husbands language. In light of everything that came before us, it just felt like a really hard left turn for Paul to all of a sudden be talking unity, be talking oneness, be talking unity, be talking oneness, be talking about living the life of the Spirit and imitating Christ. And, oh, by the way, let's just take this hard left and make this big division between men and women or husbands and wives. <laughs> and it was like it felt really disjointed. And I think noticing that is, was kind of the impetus to kind of dig in to say, like, what what, what else might Paul be saying? And as I started to open up, you know, commentaries and I I don't, I did more research for this sermon than I think I've done for any other sermon that I, you know, I had like, I had like 30 different, uh, articles that I was reading. I had a stack of commentaries and I'm just reading through how people tried to understand this and just recognizing that, wow, this is one of the most complex kind of, uh, passages to even translate and understand. And there's various theories about Paul's language and how the verbs work. And it's like one big long sentence. And, and, and we're struggling to kind of say like, how do we make this make sense in English? Mm. And, and how are we like just recognizing the complexity of it, I think was, was a big kind of, Oh, I, I feel like there's some room to acknowledge the complexity and acknowledge that when things are complex, we have room to wrestle with what scripture actually says.
0: You were initially going to speak with your daughter, Tanisha, before you realized that this was a passage that you were going to have to speak on. And uh, the preaching team thanks you, Beard Friend, for stepping up to carry the weight of this very complex passage. Because I think, I mean, all of us looked at that and went, well, who's going to take that one? (laughs) And I'm glad it was you. You handled it so carefully. And um, I'm just wondering, Tanisha... Uh, what was your response when your dad came home and he was like, actually, we're not going to speak on Ephesians 6, we're going to speak on Ephesians 5. Do you want to preach with me?
3: Well, when I was first reading it, I was like, I'm not sure this is actually, like, Bible? Is it like, a different book that accidentally got mixed up? <laughs> this seems really problematic. Well, can you say, what, so...
0: For you, it didn't feel like the Bible would say something like that? Is that what you're saying? Yeah. Why was that?
3: It didn't feel... So, my Bible readings have journeyed from John, and then I read Esther, struggled through that one. Yep. Um, And then I read Matthew with Jeremy... And in Matthew, it felt like application was everywhere. Like, Mm. this is text that can be read 2,000 years later and still be understood. Right. Like, Peter walking on water. We need to keep our eyes on Jesus. Yeah. But, like, wives submit to your husbands. That doesn't seem...
0: Does Relevant it, anymore. Does it, really? So it doesn't look like something that you see happening in your own house between Absolutely your parents? Absolutely not. <laughs> <laughs> it's not something you aspire to in in some future no. time? Okay. Oh, All interesting. Right. That's good to know. Um, Brian, one of the things my middle school children really appreciated was your application. One of the things you said was that it's okay and even necessary to ask about the Bible, does this mean what I think it means? And if so, what does it mean for me? And I just wonder, um, how, how are you guys help trying to help you? Are you and Janice trying to help your children ask that question, or like, what are you teaching? How are you teaching and modeling your children to read the Bible?
1: So I, I feel like in our family, I've got a bit of an advantage on this because I do, you know, I work for Briarcrest and I teach courses, and like our normal supper time conversation often revolves around. Either, oh, here was some of the things that we talked about in the classroom today, or a student submitted a paper and they said this and I thought it was really important, or they said this and I didn't think it was that important. <laughs> uh, right? But our conversations tend to to, you know, as we kind of have the how was your day conversations, a lot of our conversations end up back talking about the Bible and how we understand the Bible. It ends up around our faith because that's part of my job in unpacking that with students. So, so I feel like our dinner conversations often end up in this kind of realm of like, how do we understand these passages of the Bible? How have these college students understood it? And what's really helpful about some of these papers that I've read today? Or what's really unhelpful? And those kind of become launching pads for lots of conversations in our home.
0: You mentioned earlier that you were, you were wanting to have a conversation about, um, with Tanisha, maybe on stage, if you were, if you were going to preach us together... You were going to talk about what do you do when you don't like the Bible? What do you do with the Bible when you come when you come across a part like this and you're like, "Well, that can't be right." Uh or I don't like that at all. Yeah. And is God going to still bless me if I don't submit to my husband while he rules over me? Um did you end up having that conversation?
1: Uh I mean, we kind of just tossed it around as ideas of like how might we tackle this uh passage if we were to do it together but I don't know that we landed in any kind of space of like like thinking about what the structure of our our message might be but as as to actually coming up to answers to those I I ended up kind of taking some of that for that application of 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 it's okay to wrestle with the bible I felt like coming out of this passage that was a natural application Um, but I don't know that we came to a, a place of actually responding to that together other than acknowledging that maybe that was a way we could go forward to do a tag team teaching. Does that sound right?
0: Yeah. How's that, um, how's that working for you, Tanisha, in terms of just, you know, you've said that you're, you've been reading the Bible, you've read some of the books of the Bible. Um, are there parts that you really are enjoying, and are there parts that you wrestle with
3: right now? I, not necessarily. I wrestle with passages as I come to them. We mm-hmm. were reading First Peter as a youth group, yep. and just reading that first passage in First Peter, I thought it was really encouraging. Yep. And as a youth group, we kind of discussed it, and like there were certain sentences in there that we were like, hmm, what does this mean? And we struggled through it together.
0: Yeah. Okay. You said you found Esther hard. Was there a reason for that?
3: The whole murder the end
0: (laughs) there's a there's a few troubling bits um i can remember esther being packaged as like one of god's princesses in a book for my daughter like a little kid's book it's like oh god's princesses oh it's like disney princesses only it's the bible princesses and you get you got esther in there and so then Nora's like well i want to read the book of esther it's one of my favorite books and so we're reading it but i can't help but giving commentary like, I'm like, so you realize that this is a beauty pageant and she is basically being purchased for sex by this king and she has no say in the matter. Like, this is not about a woman becoming a queen. This is about a woman being used as a, as a sex slave and an accessory to this royal guy. We can't exactly hold this up as like, well, isn't that a lovely tale for children?
3: <laughs> it was also we were doing Esther as a preaching. What do you call it? A, a set series, a preaching series. There you we go. go. <laughs> Words are hard. <laughs> um, but then Pastor Tim was like, "Hey, you should read Esther." Like to just the whole church. So then I was like, okay, let's read Esther, thinking of like veg veggie tales kinda oh, yeah, like yeah. Yeah. Queen of Persia. Yeah. yeah. This is This is Esther that I read in my Veggie Tales little book. But no, at the end there's like two days of just straight up killing people.
0: Yeah. And some people get impaled on poles too, is my memory as well. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, so, I mean, what do you do with, you come across those parts of the Bible. If you're reading them on the flat, it's like, how in the heck am I supposed to apply this to my life now? Like, hmm.
3: I think it's helpful to recognize that, like, Jesus came. He changed a little bit of that.
0: Yes. Yeah.
3: And also, that isn't the culture that we live in today. Right. Like, culture changes. And... Today's society is so much different than it was then.
0: Yeah, the the wordy words for that is much of the Bible is descriptive. It's telling us what it was like, not prescriptive. It's not telling us what it should be like now. And and history is messy. I, well, that-
1: I think some of the thing too with narrative is is to be able to recognize the way in which it's portrayed. Is this portrayed to us as a positive example? So even though it is descriptive, it's it could also be prescriptive, but not like a Subtle. prescription of like what not to do. Yes. Right. This is there's consequences for these actions. Yes. And what are they?
0: That and and the the biblical authors are so brilliant at just giving you subtle clues, like, they're actually, they're making a call, like, this is not okay um, in those narratives. Um, I want to point our listeners, actually, to the Bible Project YouTube series, How to Read Your Bible. Um, they're short, about 12-minute videos, and they take you through every genre of scripture, and narrative is one of them, to, to help us understand, like, how do we read um, different parts of the Bible and understand them for ourselves, and they're quite beautifully done so that's the bible project how to read your bible get on it
2: i i just want to jump in here too and i know we're maybe going a bit off off track but i i tanisha said something really important and that that uh she's she's bringing our attention to the fact that this is jesus story that that is uncomfortable as we might be with a book like esther or judges or whatever that this is this is jesus story and there's Two things that I I I I get from there at the very least is that one, people don't think that they're doing wrong. We tend to think the people they back in Esther's day they thought they were doing the right thing. And I wonder is there ways that I'm blind to my own worldly wisdom now? Uh, Maybe I need to be humble there. And the other thing is, Jesus loved these people. He he calls these people his own. And even if I am a fool. Uh, I'm still a fool that Jesus could love, I think.
0: It's That's lovely, Logan. Well, um, actually, I had a question for you, Logan. So we're just going to circle back to the household code conversation here. Um, so I would say uh, the West Edges and ourselves would just, dis- we would describe our, our marriages and our family relationships as being um, egal- egalitarian marriages. Um, and one of the questions that comes up, if, if, if the husband and wife are equal partners, and the husband doesn't ultimately have the final say, you don't have the confidence to be like, well, if we get stuck in a decision, I'm just going to tell you what we're going to do, woman, and you're going to submit. Okay. Then uh, how, how do we make decisions if we are equal partners?
2: That's a great question, Rachel. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for giving it to me. Um <laughs> yeah, honestly, actually, maybe a bit surprising. I I don't know if it's possible to be entirely egalitarian. Um but that but I think in our in our relationship, but we we don't have we we negotiate the the decisions and we negotiate the roles, but there's times that um, that we're going ha- to come together and, and we recognize that that the spirit is alive and active in both of us and there's wisdom in both of us. But, there, yeah, there's times that we, I don't need to be right. That's maybe, go back. I don't need to be right. And so when we disagree with each other, even when it's like on profound, might be profoundly true things uh, on what I believe is true about, uh, about godly living, I don't need to be right. And if, if I don't persuade you, that's okay. And, and you don't need to persuade me in, in, in those ways as well. Like it's, our, our, we're way more similar to each other uh, theologically than, than other church denominations. And I think God's big enough for all the churches. Um, so I, don't, I really want to be careful not to, to, to judge, to act in judgment or, or condescension. So practically what that means is there's times where we're not in agreement at the end and so say if it's the way that we're raising up our children there's a disagreement um there's times where I don't I I I'll I'll submit and it doesn't and and what we do with the children will be will be your call and I'll live in hope that that God is is um big enough for all of our, for, for us to do our best. Because that's, that's what, we're both, I, I'm stumbling here. There's a, com, uh, there's a commitment that we're, I, I recognize that, we recognize that we're both, um, we're both committed to Christ being the center of our lives. And how that gets lived out, even in, in something as intimate as a marriage, there's still vast differences because we're still different people. And uh, so again, I'm going to live in hope that my own mistakes um, or or our mistakes aren't going to um, going to sabotage our children. God's God's grace is way bigger than my own limited strength or 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 yeah, mistakes.
0: I'd like to draw out a few things there.
1: Yeah.
0: Um, So one of the things that you said is I don't need to be right. And I'd like to, I mean, I want to unpack that by by saying the reason why you don't need to be right or I don't need to be right is because God loves me whether I'm right or not. Mm -hmm. So I'm not trying to achieve perfect performance or the perfect answer in order for God to receive me and embrace me. Um, so we're we're I think we're finding as we move into adolescent years as parents we're kind of stumbling through, and um, but we're realizing we might not get this right, and God's still going to receive us.
2: Yeah, and so again to me I don't I, truth is so important, right? But uh, at this point all we can do is see through glass darkly and and so love with humility. And I, when I say I don't need to be right, I'm saying. I don't need you to hear saying I'm right. Uh, I can still believe something a bit different at times. This isn't most of our marriage, but this is, there's going to be times where there's disagreement. And um, that's okay. And for our children, when it comes to raising children, they don't need to hear the complexity that we disagree, that what, what they need to hear is that we're, gonna, um, we're, we're going to... We're choosing one together. Thing. We're going to be together. We're
0: going to be together. Yeah. Um, so from my side of this marriage relationship, um, we, I've, I felt really just released and supported to bring the gifts that I have to our marriage. And, um, one of the gifts that I bring to our marriage is a pretty high degree of functionality. Um, Mm. it's been years that Logan has been, um, struggling with his depression and anxiety to a degree that you're, you're um, home with the kids, you're unable to work, and so I'm, I'm at work doing that. Um, another gift that I bring to the marriage is uh, I am a leader, um, and this has been a place where, it's, where I don't have to not lead um, or not have ideas or not make suggestions to you because I need to make space for you to be the leader at home. Um, we do things together, we talk about things together. Practically speaking, when we disagree, it means we come back to that conversation over and over again. Honestly, we've had an ongoing disagreement for like, what, two and a half years now? We come back to that conversation over and over and over because we love each other. We're trying to hear each other. Uh, we're trying, And I trust that God's given me Logan as my discernment partner. That even though I don't agree with what he's saying and I don't agree with his position, I believe that God's given him to me because I need to hear what Logan has to say and consider it. And so then we, you know, go away to our alone places again to reflect and pray and listen to the Lord on this thing that we disagree on. Um, and the parenting—it's a—it's—we it's, sort of divvied up the parenting. Like I think you get you you parent Nevin. You lead, take the lead with our boy, and I take the lead with our girl, and I follow you with Nevin, or mm-hmm. if, and you follow me with Nora, and that's, that's the way that we're mutually submitting to one another in our pa- partnership right now. It's, um, to be honest, um, uh, it's an enormous amount of work, I think, for both of us to mutually submit, but I feel like it...
2: Humble w- listener, I am nodding. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> yes uh yeah but it it, and maybe it would be easier if one of us could just be in charge but then i feel like i'm not i'm not sure one person then is always having to swallow their uh their opinion and their volition to go that way there's a lot of different ways to make a marriage work and this is working for us so you guys uh brian you got you and janice have anything you want to chip in over there
1: I'm just a little bit envious of the idea that we could, like, just give one child to one person and <laughs> child to another. That seems so clean, right? <laughs> and, and, yeah, the math doesn't work out in our family. No,
0: three daughters. Yeah. to do?
1: Um, but that, I, I think that's, you know, that, that idea of finding the spaces that uh, work for our marriage and, and trusting Janice to do the things that she does really well. And, and trusting that, you know, uh, I'll use an example from our, our world, like Janice tends to be the person that does the finances, the financial side in our, in our marriage. And, and, you know, my, my previous work, I was working at a factory, I was doing management, I was managing spreadsheets and like functionally I can do all that stuff. And I have training to do particular stuff, but it happened to be that, when we first started getting married, or when we first started getting married, when we first got married. Wow! Yeah. Tell me
0: about that. Marriage,
1: <laughs> marriage is a journey, so it started at one point. Uh, um, that that was just the role that that made sense for her to do with with schedules and stuff like that. And so there's been times when she, when we've expressed like conversations around. Oh, should maybe I take that role or, or whatever. And, and do I have the capacity to do it? But I don't, I don't need to be in that role. And I trust the work that she's doing there. And so it's been something that I submit to her in. Right. And, and so I think those are the kinds of spaces that we try and say, like, what are the roles that we play and what are the roles that we acknowledge each other in and just say, yeah, this, this is something that I'm going to trust you in. And, and then, and then, yeah, the disagreement piece uh, I mean, that's case by case, but obviously the value of, of our marriage and our commitment to one another trumps the need to be right in a particular situation.
0: Right. Yes, and so we've, I mean, we've been having an argument for two and a half years, and that means that most of the time we set it aside to be together. Yeah. Like we're not going to be like, well, we haven't agreed on this, so we're not having sex. Like, let's just really break it down, right? No, we set it aside. That's not the most important thing about our relationship. There's so much that we share, um, like most of our life that we share. And uh, I suspect that this ongoing conversation is really strengthening our, our friendship and our ability to communicate, um, even though it's very tiresome and I wish she would just agree with me already and we could be <laughs> over with it. Okay, well, was there anything else we wanted to say about the household codes?
1: Uh, No, I think I said what I needed to say on Sunday.
0: Yeah, you said a few things on Sunday. To me, this sounds like a broadening out of Paul's teaching about uh, what you have a gift to do, you bring to the church to do. And part of what we're saying here is what you have a gift to do in your marriage relationship, you bring to your marriage relationship. And it's not a you. You. Your first consideration is not, um, am I a man or a woman? Your first consideration is like, what's my God given gift to do? What am I good at bringing here? And um,
1: and or, yeah. Or maybe what do I see in my partner? What do I see in my yeah. spouse? Yeah. And what do I empower her or yeah. him to bring to the to bring to the table?
0: That feels really true to me, Brian. Because yeah. um, I that's what that, I, I feel like I'm thinking less about. What do I want to do? What do I want to bring? I'm thinking more about how can I make Logan uh, as good as possible as he brings his gifts to the kids? How can I set him up to succeed with them yeah. um, or in our in our home life? Um, yeah, you're thinking about the other person first. Yeah. Well, very cool. All righty. Well, everyone, thank you so much for sharing and for having this somewhat rambly conversation with us. Um Let's just look ahead. On Sunday, Dan Nelson is preaching on Ephesians 6, One Common Enemy, and uh, I'll be hosting him and likely some beards next week for that podcast conversation. Again, if you have any follow-up questions about um, COVID conspiracy explanations, (laughs) is that a better phrase? Sure. Uh, Or you want to talk further about egalitarian marriage, um, send us your questions and we'll try and tackle those. And it's time for our blessing. Uh, Logan, would you pray the blessing for us today?
2: Okay. Father, you are good and your love endures forever. We thank you, Lord, that you uh, sent your son to to be our peace and that you will return. And we, we want to put our hope in you, so we ask, Lord, that you would guide our conversations. May you be on our lips in how we respond. Lord, we don't want to speak in fear or contempt. We thank you so much that you set us up so that we are one body and we don't need to be all the strength, but we can rely on each other. And so I ask, Lord, that you would help us in our families and in our friendships And particularly, Lord, in in our church body here at MJAC, that you would build us into one body, into one temple, holy and pleasing to you. And may we uh, have you on our lips again, Lord, and and sing your praises to one another so that you will be glorified in Moose Jaw by our midst. Thank you, God, for your patience and mercy. Amen.
0: That's our show. Tune in next Wednesday for the next episode of MJAC Conversations. We'd love it if you could drop us a rating or a review on iTunes. That helps other people find um, these podcasts and understand that they might be something that would encourage them. I just want to have a big thank you again to our producer, Trevor DeVries, for making this happen today. See you all again another time. Bye.